Hello everybody and welcome to another Teal Tinted Glasses. Sorry about a little bit of later start than normal. Uh, work, eating, you know, got to make sure that we're all uh, on top of our game. A game. A game only on Teal Tinted Glasses. Uh, tonight with me, as always, is for one, Mr. Hockey Jerk. How are you doing, Mr. Hockey Jerk? I'm doing well. How are you guys? I'm good. How are you, Kevin? Kevin Lacey. I'm good. Um, right now, my lighting is perfect, and uh, sunset is approaching, so we'll see how quickly that goes away. I liked AJ's comment already in the chat saying, we're fashionably late, or what I call early. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> Absolutely. Say, you, you look dynamite with that lighting. Yeah, I know. Let's just keep this uh, sun right in, in the same position the whole show. How about that? If we could just make the sun do what we wanted all the time. Like, <laughs> think of how great that would be. Yeah, but good to be on, guys. Uh, thanks for watching, everyone. Uh, hope we give you a good show here. Yeah, especially since we're like competing with a game right now. Um, and I, I think that's where I'd like to start because we, we've done a lot of talking, right, about, you know, Obviously, with the playoffs, we've talked about eliminated teams. We haven't really talked about what's currently going on. So what is your thoughts with this Tampa-Montreal series? I uh, mean, go ahead. The, thing, the thing, I think the thing that's on display that's painfully obvious uh, is just how good this Tampa Bay team is, right? I mean, they were... Uh, Sportsnet threw up a graphic earlier um, in tonight's game, game, uh, game five, if you're listening on the audio stream where it's like, yeah, you know, uh, the Stamkos, Sorelli, uh, Ross Colton line, they've only got one goal. You probably want more for them and I'm from them. And I'm like, well, wait, 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 hold on. Because the Barkley Goodrow, Yanni Gord, Blake Coleman lines got three goals. Pat Maroon's got two goals. Like they're doing just fine, you know, and, and not even talking about that, that Nikita Kucherov guy with, you know, his, you know, despite the bionic hip is leading the playoffs and scoring again. So this team is just really good, and you know, I know a lot of people have just things to say about their salary cap even going into next year. But I mean, unless some kind of natural disaster happens, I think it's just going to keep rolling year to year. And I mean, Montreal's hanging in there, but they're they're outmatched. I mean, that's the short version. You know, the the whole saying is to be the man, you have to beat the man. Woo! And to me. I I hope I said it on a podcast last year. I was looking on Twitter because I swore I tweeted it, but I said I thought Tampa was a serious threat to go back to back. At this point, they seem to about to be completing that. Um, and I would not be surprised if this team goes to the finals next year because um, <clears throat> salary cap aside, like people can complain about the salary cap all they want. But to me, it's like, you can't say that if they win the Stanley Cup tonight that they won because of the salary cap because it's the same damn team that they won with last year. The only difference is they have David Savard instead of Zach Bogosian, which is an upgrade. I'll give them that, obviously. But other than that, it's literally the same freaking roster. So I think it's a very poor excuse for people saying, oh, salary cap, blah, 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 blah. They're the best team in the league. They've proven it before. I picked them to win the cup this year. Jerk picked them to win the cup this year. And guess what? They're about to win the cup this year. Why is anyone surprised? I think the biggest shock is Montreal hanging in here. I don't think they're at the same level as Tampa Bay, guys. I think that Tampa Bay is showing that, uh, you know, why they are the best team. Um, but I am surprised 
at how well Montreal is hanging in this series. Like, I don't think Montreal is making asses of themselves out there. Like, I think they're actually playing just as well as they did in the first three rounds of the playoffs when no one was giving them a chance. I certainly wasn't giving them a chance. Um, I think Montreal is, is, is playing great. How do you guys think? Yeah, no, I completely agree. Like, I think Montreal's is hung in there. I mean, you saw when, like, the last series between Tampa and the Islanders where, like, there's the one game where Tampa just blew the doors off the Islanders. That hasn't happened this series. Um, I mean, I'm at the point now. I, I, it's weird because normally I'm like, you know, I, I, I want the hockey to last as long as possible. Because, but I know it's a short off season this year. So I'm kind of like, yeah, whatever. Let's, let's get to the good stuff now, right? Like, it sucks <laughs> because, like, I feel like, Right now, regardless of what happens tonight, if either Tampa wins or Montreal prolongs the inevitable, in my opinion, like that's kind of the way I'm looking at it now. So I'm kind of like, let's let's get on with it because there's so much cool stuff that's coming. And you know that teams aren't going to do anything to upstage the Stanley Cup final. So you want to make, you know, we, we need the series to end so that teams can start making more trades and, and doing stuff to try and stop the evil Seattle from screwing up their team and, you know, making all these pre-deals and stuff like that. Like, I, that's what I want to get to. I want to get to the, the part where, you know, Seattle starts making deals or teams start making deals to thwart Seattle taking one of their, their you know, one of their, one of their key guys that they can't seem to protect. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I love hockey. Don't get me wrong. And I'm sure I'll eventually I'll miss it. I like the Stanley Cup Finals. Stanley Cup Finals great, though, because, like, it weans you off. You know, you go from hockey every night to, like, every night and then every other night. And then sometimes when you have, like, obviously when it goes this far into the summer, you you got to take an extra night off for, you know, July 1st, July 4th. So, you know, it's it's nice that uh, it, it weans you off like an addict. You, you wean yourself off at the end. Well, and to your point, Ian, I mean, I, I'm with you. Like, I I mean, I, I didn't watch the first two games of the series. I picked it up in game three, and I'm starting to get that feeling. I'm like, damn, I wish I would have watched game one and two just because I love watching the sport no matter who's playing. But to your point, when the final ends, a lot of really exciting things are going to happen. I mean, expansion draft is like, that's an added bonus. But the thing that stands out to me and you know, we can move on to this or we can talk more about the first topic. But I feel like this is the first time in I don't know how long where there are this many high profile names that are rumored to be available. No, I yeah, I completely agree. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of names out there. Um, obviously, you know, Jack Eichel's the big one. Um, but obviously, you know, there's some news we'll get into in a second. There's um, Seth Jones. I mean, it's it's wild. Like, there's there's definitely it's going to be an interesting summer. Like, I think this is going to be one of the more interesting summers because there's a lot of intrigue, especially leading up to the draft, which is why you kind of need this to end so that things so we can kind of start seeing where you know because I don't think anyone's going to trade Jack Eichel while the playoffs are while the Stanley Cup final is going. Like, that's not going to happen. Yeah. But if I'm Buffalo, I want to get this deal done before the draft because I want to get one of those top picks like that I know is going to be a top pick this year. Um, mm. in that top 10 like I think there's going to be a lot of good players in the top 10 I don't think there's going to be anything super game breaking but I mean other than like your maybe your one two picks but I mean it's going to be uh, if I'm Buffalo that's where I want like I want one of those picks so I want this final to be done so people can start actually doing business 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, and 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 just talking about Buffalo. Buffalo's got a lot going on. You know, Kevin Adams is going to have probably double the work in in a single off season because you've got Jack Eichel, you've got Sam Reinhart requesting a trade. The Sabers tried to get rid of Brandon Montour all season long. Um, <clears throat> new coach, sort of new coach coming in with Don Granado. Um, I know we were talking before the show that that I think. Uh, you know that it, it, it's a bit interesting. I'll, I'll just say really quickly that he's a players' coach. The players love him, but at the same time, if you're trying to blow that team up, does it matter if the players like him? None of them are going to be around next year. So I thought <laughs> that was a little weird. But um, yeah, lots of big names, and of course, uh, about an hour before our show began here tonight, Vladimir Tarasenko has requested a trade from the Blues. Are you guys surprised? Because I'm really not surprised by this. But are you guys surprised by this? I'm, a I'm not. Bit? Yeah, I'm. I'm not surprised that he asked for a trade. I'm surprised for the reasons. I don't know how you feel about that, Ian. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm a little bit surprised that that uh, Tarasenko's requested a trade. I mean, I'm not really, I don't really follow the Blues that closely, right? And I think this year was a really bad year for me watching, like, and really paying attention to other teams because you, I, I mean, I all, all while the Blues were in the division this year, but like, I didn't watch a whole lot of hockey outside the Sharks. Um, I know Tarasenko's obviously he's had what three surgeries now. Um, and mm-hmm. just yeah. going from what was said today, um, I have this in front of me somewhere here. Let me grab my notes. Um, yeah. So basically they're saying trust broke down between the teams because he got felt like a, he, that the team doctors missed the real problem with his shoulder twice, um, before he had the third surgery done by his own, uh, by his own medical team. Uh, independent of the team and then there's also and I thought and I thought that there I remember there being some some hoopla when Ryan O'Reilly was named captain and I remember there being a report in a Russian newspaper that that Tarasenko wasn't happy but like the thing with those like Russian newspapers like European newspapers is sometimes they can be quite um I don't tabloidy in their coverage of sport (laughs) um I, I I feel like that's fair right Especially like some of the some of like the Russians, I feel like there's another country too that's very tabloidy in their in their coverage. Uh, Sweden, some Sweden. of the Swedish tab- tabloids are very trustworthy and mm-hmm. very not. Yeah, so. it it just seemed I don't know. I mean, it, it it rung very similar to kind of what's gone on with with the Sharks with the last couple of years, where you know you have Vladimir Tarasenko and he's like your he's your big money goal scorer and all this stuff and then you bring in you're bringing in Ryan O'Reilly and Braden Shen you're bringing David Perron back for the third time you know and you bring in Mike Hoffman and it's like all of a sudden the your guy the guy is now just a guy so from that perspective I'm kind of like okay so they're basically doing to Tarasenko what they did to Petro you know where they bring in Krug they bring in Justin Falk and so that's why I say I wasn't surprised when he wanted to trade. But then when you read the article in The Athletic, which was a really good article, by the way, mm-hmm. um, if you have the subscription, I recommend reading it. I I knew he'd had some issues with his shoulder. I didn't realize that it was like a total breakdown of trust and that, you know, by all accounts, the team doctors, like you said, Ian, failed him twice, essentially. 
Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, with Vladimir Tarasenko, too, I mean, it seemed like there was a lot of confusion surrounding his shoulder injuries a lot. Uh, you know, the media would talk about, like, is he ready? Is he close? Oh, he's apparently not that close. Oh, now he's in the lineup the next game. Like, they never really got a clear picture about how um, how injured he was. Um, but to me, the, the big telltale sign that leads into – uh, this injury uh, kind of debate between Tarasenko and his team has been he got hurt, he missed a, bu- a bunch of time, and then he came back and got hurt all, I think, after like eight games, if I remember. Like, he got hurt again. And then <clears throat> it he had an off season to recover and then came back and got hurt again. And it just, it didn't seem to me like he was becoming injury prone with that shoulder, which when you have a shoulder injury, I don't know if anyone out there has had shoulder injuries, but you, it probably more than any other part of the body, you, you except for maybe your ankle, you can definitely re-injure it a lot easily than other body parts. Um, but I don't, I never got the impression like, like, Tarasenko is injury prone, which is why I actually think that uh, given adequate time to heal, I think he can be, uh, I don't know if I'll say 40 goal scorer, but certainly in the, in the 30s, I think, um, for, for the next few years. And he was getting rushed back into playoff action, it seemed, and just things, there, there were always the, these things that, you know, it's kind of like Logan Couture. Now, the Blues were in the playoff picture for most of the years. Uh, so, or in fact, I think all of the years since Tarasenko's injury. But um, look at Logan Couture. What were we saying about Logan Couture? Why are you playing him? Like, yeah. what do you have to prove? Like, let the guy heal so that he's a better player when he comes back. Then I'd rather have Couture miss 10 extra games to become 100% than get him 70% for the rest of the year. Like, I felt like that's what the Blues kept doing with Tarasenko. So, uh, I, I mean, now it's going to be nut up or shut up from his camp because uh, if he had that independent surgery you guys are talking about, then um, then we'll find out if he can really, you know, if he's really fully healed, with, but apparently with another team. Yeah, and I, I think, just think... Go ahead. I was just going to say, I just think... Like on a personal level too, I think it's really unfortunate that somebody like him who can just really rip the puck. I mean, four time thirty, or excuse me, five time thirty goal scorer, thirty plus goal scorer. Like for somebody who can rip the puck as well as he can to have the chronic injury going on, being a shoulder. I just right. feel like it's, you know, say what you want about his ability to score goals, but I just think like mentally, you know, like you're the goal scorer who can just shoot the puck from anywhere and hit anywhere, and like this nagging injury that's been botched now twice yeah. is preventing you from like doing your specialty. I just think like on a personal level, it just must absolutely suck. Yeah. And I, I think that's the thing that would concern me a lot too, is with the, um, the shoulder injury. I mean, if you're like, this is buyer beware to me. Um, yeah. I, I, Oh yeah, absolutely. That's the thing about the big names guys is like Eichel, the neck injury, Tarasenko, the shoulder injury. Um, I feel Johnny like Gaudreau, Jones... the pr- Johnny Gaudreau, the pride injury. Yeah, there <laughs> you go. I was actually trying to find something for Gaudreau, so there you go. 
Um, yeah, I mean, there, there's still some caution with these guys. I do have to say, uh, in honor of Doc Emmerich here, 100 seconds to go. Oh, my goodness. All right. So, um, yeah, look, I think that I, I think it sucks. I mean, Tarasenko going to be, you know, turning 30, which isn't the end of the world. Like, obviously, you're still I, I still think you're a, you can be a decent player at 30. Um you know, one year left, seven point five million AAV. He is due to make nine point five million real dollars. But I feel like for an NHL team, like one that he's gonna, he has a full no move. So I feel like for one that he's probably gonna go to. I mean, they're not gonna be like, oh, nine point five. That's too rich for my blood, um, <laughs> right? So. I don't. Where know. do you I, guys? I mean, obviously, we haven't had much time to ponder this, but. Where do you guys think he goes? Because for me, I'm just going to throw it out there. If the Bruins can't re-sign Taylor Hall, I think that's the top destination for Tarasenko. That's a decent one. Yeah, I like it. Um, I like that. I like that. I wonder if a team in New York looks at him, either the Rangers with Artemi Panarin also there, and those guys are pretty tight. Um, I also wonder if the Islanders take a look at him. Yeah, the the Rangers could be interesting because I think that I think that article in the Athletic actually referred to Panarin as like Tarasenko's best friend. So mm-hmm. yeah, that could be something. I mean, I feel like not to typecast, but I feel like anytime it's a Russian player involved, I feel like you could point to any team that has another Russian player of stature and say, yeah, there. You know what I mean? Like even um, uh, like you said, the Islanders. You know, you have Sorokin there, and you have Varlamov there. Here's um, here's one. What about a Russian for a Russian, Washington? Oh, Kuznetsov for Tarasenko? I could see that. I gotta think, I have to think that some of these superstars end up getting traded for each other at some point, right? I mean, we, I know that that is few and far between in the last 15 to 20 years in the NHL, but... But why not? You know, we were talking on the last show about Kadri for Kuznetsov, and I don't, I don't think Kadri's in a superstar level by any means, but, I mean, like, talent for talent. Like, why not Tarasenko for Kuznetsov? I, I think don't... in a flat cap, it makes a lot of sense. Sure. Yeah, that's a good point, Ian. I will say, I think, just based on what their people have come out and said this offseason, I have to think L.A. would sniff around that as well. Yeah, because L.A., you know, L.A. is on record as saying they want to acquire two top six forwards and they've already traded for Kevin's best friend, Victor Arvidsson. So almost busted out the jersey tonight, but there will be plenty <laughs> of opportunities for me to do that. The L.A. has the, the, the space expansion wise. They have the space to acquire basically endless forwards and not lose anyone of consequence. Yeah. All right, so let's move on. Let's uh, we're, we're let's almost move done. on to the Tampa Bay Lightning as your Stanley Cup champions, champions for the second year in a row. Well, there you have it, Stanley Cup champions. Uh, who is going to win the Conn Smythe before it actually happens? Andre Vasilevsky, Nikita Kucherov, Braden Point. Well deserving. Braden Point. Nice. So, so we it's got in three. there. Yeah, I think that, I, I think he's got to be in there. Winner by winner uh, or uh, losers by cookies. Okay, we'll find out. All right, so um, we can. T- I will talk about Montreal next time, I guess, since they are now uh, one of the eliminated teams. We'll talk about Tampa too, I guess. But um, I'll just say really quickly, Nick Suzuki was a fucking beast. Oh, there's the E for you right there. <laughs> Nick Suzuki <laughs> yes. was a beast in this. Uh... He's 
He's incredible. Uh, at, like, don't get me wrong. I like, I, I love Max Pacioretty, mm-hmm. but man, everybody, everybody's been talking this year about Tampa Bay's woes, or I'm sorry, Vegas's woes at center. Imagine if they had that Nick Suzuki guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Nick Suzuki's guy I've always been really, really high on. Um, so speaking of the Golden Knights, I guess we should, we could start with them because this is the whole thing that we've been doing uh, every show since we've started. So what is next for the Vegas Golden Knights? And I will give you the uh, important details. They have $6 million in projected cap space. They have uh, forwards. Um, they got a lot of their guys are, are under contract next year. Thomas Noshik, uh, Matthias Janmark are the forwards. They are both unrestricted free agents. And Alec Martinez, who is a guy they have to believe they want back, is on the blue line, oh, yeah. is an unrestricted free agent. The so, unsung I mean, hero of that blue line, guys. Yeah, yeah. 100%. 100%. Um, so it's going to be really interesting. Because I think Alec Martinez is going to get some calls from other teams, too. Um, and, and Vegas, like I said, $6 million in cast space. Not a whole lot of... You know, they don't have a whole lot of wiggle room to make a lot of moves. Um, obviously, you know, getting Yanmark, um, Doug Wilson had to help them with, you <laughs> know, eat the cap on that. And this is why I'm no longer a Sharks fan, because they made the playoffs and we didn't. And we could have done it if we had Yanmark. Well, and, you know, sure. the biggest the biggest war crime of the century was giving Vegas Nick DeSimone. Right. <laughs> <laughs> who, who, who got assigned to Rochester. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I think with Vegas, it's un it's unfortunate because as even though like as Sharks fans and Sharks podcasters, we are programmed to not like the Vegas Golden Knights. But aside from their center position, I've actually quite liked how they've built this team the last two years. And with that in mind, you know, I mean, I don't see a way that they get Alec Martinez re-signed, maybe re-sign Matias Janmark. I mean, he's expressed interest in coming back. I think he would be perfect for that third line of theirs. But, I mean, there's no way around it unless you're throwing guys overboard. I, I'm thinking, obviously, Flurry is the one, the big one. But I think, you know, I think it's time you try and you send Marsha Sower Smith somewhere else and you need to get Alex Tuck higher in that lineup. I mean, you're paying him almost $5 million to be on your third line. That's fantastic if you want to compete for a Stanley Cup, but it sort of handicaps your ability to acquire other players that you need just as much. Yeah. Um, I, I think for me, like, this is they, – they need to they need to adjust their coaching staff. Like, I, I know Bill Foley came out uh, recently and said, like, their power play is atrocious. And I'm like, well, do you, do you, do you know you have Steve Spot running it? Did you did you analyze your coaching staff and who you were hiring uh, like when you let go of Gerard Gallant and uh I forget the other guy's name. Yeah. Kelly. Like, Mike Kelly, I think. Anyway. Like do you realize who's running your power play? Maybe you could look at maybe what he did on previous teams and, and see that it wasn't very good there either. And I don't know. I mean, this is a team that probably shouldn't have lost Montreal, but they did. Montreal you know, won that series fair and square. Um, I, I think that they should be upset about it. If I'm Bill Foley, I'm upset because I think that Vegas on paper was the significantly better team. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what they do because you mentioned Mark Andre Fleury, and I feel like that is a place where they need to 
probably make some adjustments. Um, not not adjustments, but they, they need to pretty much decide what they're going to do there going forward because I know they've got... I, I, I feel like the plan was that they were going to ride out Fleury's contract and then go with Robin Leonard after that because that's why Robin Leonard signed longer term. But I don't know. I mean, it's it's an interesting problem to have. I mean, obviously, you have these two starter quality goaltenders and you don't have to pay the Seattle Piper. I mean... Mm-hmm. it's uh that's something else you know and and that would be like the obvious out for them unfortunately but they're they're exempt so great for them i guess but i don't know i mean that's a lot of money in goaltending yeah i, didn't I mean realize that is Len- does leonard have a no movement clause in addition to flurry uh no leonard's got a uh leonard has a modified no trade um and it's he provides an eight team no trade list, so there's still and actually uh that's actually no, I'm sorry, it's an eight team no trade list in two years. It's a five team no trade list right now, okay oh, I'm sorry I, I have that backwards. It is eight right now. I'm sorry, <laughs> protect one goalie, so that's why, I but they don't even... have to they're they're Vegas, they're exempt from oh, the Seattle expansion Vegas. Draft. that's why I haven't noticed them on cap friendly that's, that's right why. yeah they're they're exempt I, they don't have to they don't have to do it that makes no sense to me, but whatever i I, I think why. when they made the, I think when they drew up the rules they didn't expect Vegas to come out of the gate as hard as they did. Yeah, like they they, well, they thought they were going to be competitive, but I don't think they thought they were going to be this when they drew well, up the rules. And how much of that inaugural team on Vegas has been thrown overboard, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. There was just um, – uh, actually, it was Cap Friendly posted uh, yesterday or whatever, said they only have like five players from their original team. If you don't count Tomasz Noshek leaving and coming back, they only have like five players from the their original draft list. So – Right. So, I mean, enough time has passed that that uh, they should, you know, I feel like they should be involved in the expansion draft. But I think the other part of it could be that the NHL was planning on having Seattle originally begin this season. That might also play into it as well, that extra year pushed out. I mean, originally, but... like, if the NHL had their way, Seattle would have had their ducks in a row and came in with Vegas. Right. Well, sure. Right. Well, also, too, it's worth noting um, Vegas does not get a cut of the expansion fee. That's true. That That is so also that, true. Oh, okay. That's kind of like the caveat to not having to participate in the expansion draft is they don't get any scratch from it. That's, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. Good point. I mean, this team, like, it's the same as it ever was for Vegas, right? Like, they're going to be, they're gonna be the, the, the class of the Pacific next year. There's no way around it. Like I just, yeah. I don't think there's anyone in the Pacific that's going to even come close to Vegas next year, as far as you know who's going to dominate the division. It's going to be Vegas, and then maybe behind them is Edmonton, and then God, who knows? Like that's that is the beauty of the Pacific <laughs> next year. Is be I I think Edmonton's your probably your second place team, and then beyond that, I have no idea. Like throw darts. So. Yeah. Can I? I want to interject with something totally For unrelated sure. first. So uh, <laughs> this this is fun, a fun addition to the show. So we were talking about our Con Smythe picks a couple minutes ago. Uh, my my girlfriend, who has been a quote unquote hockey fan for ten months now, she says Victor Hedman is going to win the Con Smythe. Oh, is that okay. Be- All right. Is that because that's the only name she knows? Maybe, <laughs> but 
it's a good choice, I would say. I just hey. wanted to throw that in there. <laughs> so I, guys, I, uh, you know, Jerk, you mentioned you missed the first two games. I missed games two and three of this series, but I think Victor Hedman was an absolute stud in game games one, four, and five in the series, and and uh, he's going to overshadow Ryan McDonough. But Ryan McDonough, oh. and this is again, we're naming all these different players: Vasilevsky, Point, Kucherov. Uh, Hedman, McDonough, you know, the list goes on and on. Yanni Gord was really good. And, mm-hmm. you know, the third the third line, just like last year, Tampa's third line was amazing. Um, you know, this is why Tampa Bay deserves to win the Stanley Cup again. Like, this team is amazing. Like, I'm sure I, eventually I will grow tired of them, as most dynasty teams do. But sports in general, not just hockey, um have been needing a dynasty who aren't the new england patriots for some time so let it be tampa if if they four people i'll be i'll be done with it by then sports are better when there's a villain and tampa's a great villain exactly like i i I completely agree um we're about to get the con smythe okay uh, oh the con smythe trophy Let me pander to the fans for a little bit. Well, here in Tampa, oh. the mayor asked us to come back, and it's Andre Vasilevsky. Oh, there you go. There wow. you go. Owe me cookies. I there you go, Kevin. Owe me cookies. Congratulations. I, I, I mean, he was really good. I, I, yeah. That's, I mean, there's a lot of the, really good picks there. That's the incredible thing about this Tampa Bay team is, like, like if any of us were right, like, we are legitimately – know what the hell we're talking about because all three of our choices are really good yeah you know like if i if i was like i think barkley goodrow is gonna win then it's like let's because he had a point in the first four games of the series right but nights yeah that's that's guys that's two time stanley cup winner stanley cup winner barkley Barkley goodrow And shout out, shout out to Puck Guy for doing the research. Only the third former Shark in NHL history to win two Stanley Cups or more. Wow! Shout out to Puck Guy. I don't Good know job, if he's listening. Puck Guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he needs so, he needs to win one more though, so we can Tyler. He might if he wants. Yeah, if he wants to get into Igor Larionov territory. Yeah, yeah, he, he has might. To win one more. All right. So, anything else on Vegas though? I mean, I feel like like I said, Vegas there's not really much to say. I mean, there's there's they don't have room to do anything. They have three guys that they have to make a decision on. And I mean, like I said, same as it ever was. They they're going to they be have, the uh, toast of the Pacific again. I hate it. I hate them. I, they can die I in think a fire. I think it's the same thing that I said with Colorado where really all they need to do is try, you know, to bring back the guys that they that they had this past year that are currently slated to leave and give it another go. I think Vegas and Colorado are very similar where really good team very easily could have been in the position that Tampa Bay is in right now and was just in a, a given moment not the right um not the right team and I don't know. Like I said, I, I agree with you, Ian and Kevin, both of you said I think Alec Martinez getting him back is should be priority number one because Absolutely. you know it's it's the Petrangelo and the Theodore show there for sure. But I mean Martinez, you know, he was the only guy scoring goals on that blue line for a while. Uh, you know, played on a broken foot all summer. And maybe and he needs surgery, and maybe he'll be out all next year. There you go. <laughs> and then he'll they can sign Alec Martinez. <laughs> I like 
I like the point you made, Jerk, and this this is going to – what I'm bringing up is going to go back to probably our first year with Pucknology Writers Room, which is why not stay the course if you're Vegas? Because you didn't win the Cup this year doesn't mean the same team can't be next year's winner. Yeah. That was always a thing that bugged me about the Sharks was – Doug Wilson had to make all these changes year after year. Kept the core the same, but it was like, oh, we didn't win this year. We need to get rid of the third and the fourth lines and the third D pair entirely and start fresh. It's like that roster could possibly just be a year away. You know, you could just keep the team. So I think, though, with Vegas, you want to talk about uh, what uh, like a uh, something going forward because you mentioned how their center woes and everything. Mm-hmm. Cody Glass, it's it's his time to shine. Yes, like uh-huh. he's hundred percent. He's done enough in the minor leagues. Although actually this year he didn't really do much of anything for either team he played for. Um, but I mean Vegas by getting rid of Nick Suzuki really put the onus on Cody Glass to step up and. And be the second line guy at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, he'll probably be the third line guy next year, but he just he needs to have an impact for Vegas, uh, I think, and, and that would help their cap woes tremendously. So, yeah, no, I I agree. I mean, they're going to have to get some some help from the as any team that's up against the cap, they're going to they're going to need help from their youth. And and I mean, that's a really good shout. Like, obviously, they again, you know, they. When I'm sure when they were looking at who they're going to move, they thought they had more in Cody Glass than they did Nick Suzuki, and um, right. you know uh, that might come back. And I think it was warranted, them. guys. For, oh, I, 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 I think yeah. they're both great players. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I just, I do agree with you. I think at the time it was almost it was more of like a, a, a coin flip, really, or even you know since there were three first round picks from that first year, it was almost like okay, we've got Cody Glass, we've got. Nick Suzuki, we have Eric Brandstrom, you know, they ended up sending Brandstrom for Mark Stone, obviously Suzuki went for Pacioretty, so I always kind of, and again, I don't have any knowledge to back this up, but I just get the impression, like, I had the impression at the time I wouldn't have been surprised if two of those guys were moved just to accelerate their timeline, um, especially with how well they came out the gate that first year, but, I mean, you're right, Ian, Cody Glass... He needs to step up. He needs to at least try to show that he was, at the very least, that flip of a coin I mentioned between him and Nick Suzuki, you know? And I think he'll have ample opportunity coming next year. I mean, obviously, they have William Carlson locked up, who is good, but I don't think he's $5.9 million good. And then Chandler Stevenson, who I think has been punching up for two years. So Mm -hmm. Cody Glass is going to have a chance. Um, to play some big minutes next year, and it's a matter of if he can take advantage or not. Like I said, you know, earlier, I don't see a way, if they are dead set on keeping Marc-Andre Fleury, I don't see a way they, you know, if they want to get Alex Tuck more minutes and re-sign Matthias Janmark and maybe find a center, I don't see a way they do all that unless they send out Riley Smith or Jonathan So I just don't see a way. Yeah, I think that is... Um that's fair uh, so david savard got to lift the cup uh, a moment ago and i think that's pretty awesome for him because i dating back to last year's playoffs i thought he was playing out of his mind fantastic for columbus mm-hmm. uh, against tampa bay uh in the playoffs last year and and i think uh 
a player who's really kind of flown under the radar throughout his career, being a solid defenseman for Columbus. So, And a guy that we spoke of when we had the, the Jets break down, like what they needed to fix. Our, I think it was Jerk had said, like, the Jets could use a guy like David Savard. Mm-hmm. And now he's a Stanley Cup champion. So good on, and good on him. I only want to mention this too. I, I get the impression we're going to revert back to Tampa Bay a lot just by virtue of they just we'll won watch. the cup and yeah. we're all watching the game. But you said it earlier, Kevin, and I, man, like, I don't think it's said enough how incredible Ryan McDonough is. Oh, my God. Like, he, I mean, like, he's he, when he go- Actually, he was drafted by Montreal, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. <laughs> and traded for Scott Gomez. That's and, what I've heard. Uh, it was traded for Scott Gomez. And, you know, like he go like I, I always think it's it's kind of fascinating when, you know, a guy goes to a team as a rental and then they just think, you know what? Why play the field? I'm just going to stick here. Yeah. And like, you know, McDonough, if you want to talk about that core, you know, McDonough is like the the new guy, so to speak. You know, it's always been the headman Stamkos Kucherov show. And now you have McDonough come in. I mean, whatever your opinion on, you know, Jersey letters are, he's an alternate captain. You know, he was just he's not going to razzle dazzle you with the offense, but he's just a a pill to play against defensively. And I don't think he gets enough credit because of, like I said, Hedman, Sergachev. And then you mentioned David Savard on the third pair has been incredible as well. And even when when McDonough was with the Rangers, I mean, he was the guy. He was the captain. He was the you know the the pillar stone of that back end. But they also had Dan Girardi, who, mm-hmm. funny enough, went with him to Tampa Bay. But they had Dan Girardi, who also, um, you know, was getting a lot of spotlight on defense for them as well. So uh, I, I would not say McDonough is overshadowed, but I mean, he's not the premier player. Sergachev and Hedman would be the names you'd think of, I think, before McDonough, but. Uh, McDonough is a top pair defenseman on pretty much any team in fa- as far as I'm concerned. So, yeah. Um, okay, guys, I you. am going to move on to the New York Islanders. Mm-hmm. Uh, the New York Islanders have the opposite problem of Vegas. They have a lot of guys that are up and not a lot of money to do anything with. So mm-hmm. projected cap space for the New York Islanders is only $5.7 million, 5.786. Um, and they have Kyle Palmieri. Kyle, uh, Kyle Palmieri is a UFA. Travis Ajax is a UFA. Casey Zizekas is a UFA. Michael Del Cole and Anthony Bolivia are both arbitration eligible restricted free agents. On the blue line, it's Braden Colburn, Andy Green, Adam Pelich uh, is a. The first two are UFAs. Pelich is a uh, arbitration eligible restricted free agent. They also have Ilya Sorkin and Goal as an arbitration eligible restricted free agent and Corey Schneider uh, is a UFA, which is, uh, I didn't realize Corey Schneider was on the Islanders. <laughs> yeah. He was the it's, third string. He was the third uh, emergency. What do you call it? Emergency. Was, was, he, was he the taxi goalie? Yeah. The taxi goalie. That's it's, what it was. Yeah. It's worth saying. I mean, you, you, you make an excellent point about their salary cap woes Ian. it's worth saying uh, Johnny Boychuk, $6 million is going to get tucked on the long-term injury. Yes. So if you want to be technical, which yeah. this is not how it works, but if you want to be technical, it's more like eleven it's more million. Like 11. But, he, but that's but still even a lot then, to do. Well, and that's the thing. To your point, you know, Beauvillier is obviously really important to that team. Adam Pellick is really important to that team. But by all accounts, Kyle Palmieri quite enjoyed his time there, and you know, I think he'll end up somewhere else. But if this, like, if for some reason uh, Anders Lee like couldn't come back ever. Like Kyle Palmieri, I think would slide into that spot 
uh, seamlessly. Goodrow's got the cup. Um, Paul, Mary, and Zajac, I thought, even when they were acquired, I thought that was a good fit for them, but my goodness, that was a good fit for them. You mm-hmm. guys talked about um, free agent, uh, soon-to-be free agents who just decide to, to stick it out uh, You know, with the team they're acqui- that acquired them. I think it would be in the best interest of both those players to stay with the Islanders because I thought they fit in seamlessly for that team. Now, you did, you mentioned, Ian, that they're they're going to lose some players uh, most likely here. Um, but, I mean, that that would certainly soften the soften the blow of that because um, the nucleus will, will still be there, I, I feel like. And, uh, you know, say what you want about Lou Lamorello being uh, past uh, – past his prime as a GM or not in in touch with today's hockey and all that, you know, from when he was with Toronto. Um, but I think Lamarulo's uh, team building with the Islanders uh, outside of the stupid facial hair rule. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, I think that most of that was just uh, media and fan driven up in Toronto because Lamarillo has shown he's he's very much with the time still and knows how to build a um it maybe not a cup winning team but a contending team for sure because the islanders have been uh you know up in the conference finals the last couple of years and a damn entertaining team to watch like i think outside of tampa bay i think the islanders have played the best team philosophy the last two years well and you know, back-to-back GM of the year for a reason, right? Yeah. I mean, you don't do that by accident or if you're, quote-unquote, out of touch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, I think I, I think sometimes, like, the, the Lamorello stuff does kind of annoy me, though, because, like, at the same time, it's like, oh, Toronto should have kept him. Like, what did he do in Toronto? And, like, don't tell me Lou Lamorello didn't have a wide berth to do whatever he wanted in Toronto. Like, don't tell me that, like, oh, no, Kyle Dubas wouldn't let him do that. Like, get real right and and like and and the other thing too is like what was the first thing he did oh i'll just hire the coach that won the stanley cup because that's an option that every gm has right like i i I think sometimes like yeah like i feel like sometimes like the the legend of lamorello is is a little bit overstated and it 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 has a lot of i don't know it has a lot of selective memory um, like I'm not, I'm not saying he's a bad GM, but I'm just saying like, I I think he gets a ton of credit for hiring the, the coach that just won a Stanley cup because Washington was stupid. <laughs> right. Like, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm not taking away what he's done in, in, there. I just feel like sometimes like the legend is, has a lot of selective memory going there. Sure. I think that I think that's to the territory for any GM that you, who you talk about. Yeah, no, that's probably fair. Um, I I look at this team like again like this team they have to they, they just have to figure out how they're going to get past Tampa because Tampa's their kryptonite. <laughs> uh, no kidding. Hey, uh, what do you guys think about the Islanders' goaltending though? Because like Sergei Varlamov. I thought played one of his best seasons this year. I mean, shortened season, but I thought mm-hmm. he played one of the seasons. But but he did get hurt right at the start of the playoffs, which was horrible timing. Um, and and kind of was in and out of the lineup. Um, 
had really good games some nights, but then a little, you know, bothered by inconsistency, maybe injuries. Um, Sorokin, I thought was not that impressive during the regular season, but Sorokin looked like a pretty good goalie there in the playoffs as well. So do you think they're, do you think they're solid enough in goal or do you think that the Islanders would need an upgrade? I don't know no. who you're going to get. Like, I, I feel like I don't know, like, is is Carey Price available suddenly? I don't like. <laughs> I don't know what else they could that what they could do that would be better than what they have. No, I think. I mean, you gotta stick. I think you stick with um, you stick with Semyon Varlamov. You stick with Ilya Sorokin. Obviously, Varlamov is the guy there. I mean, to your point, Kevin, he was incredible uh, this year. Yeah, but I think if say he comes back down to earth, or if he totally stubs his toe. I actually quite liked Ilya Sorokin's game this year. I thought he played very well, considering he's a North American rookie. Um, so I think if you have to tandem with them, I think the Islanders would still be able to hang in there. And, you know, you're right. They do have to get through Tampa Bay. But I and I still think even after two years of this, I still legitimately feel like a lot of folks are sleeping on the Islanders. Yeah. And it's it's just their style of play is so weird, but like it's effective. And so I, I don't know. I think their goaltending is fine. Like I, like I said, I would be, I don't know. I don't really know. I mean, maybe I'm a little bit worried about their forward depth just because it seems like, it seems like they have all their forwards are like really good and they don't have that, that elite talent or like that really, really good. And so maybe that's where Tarasenko comes into play, but you know, not without sending money back, you know, whether that's mm-hmm. Jordan Eberle or um, or Josh Bailey or, you know, something like that. I think I think that'd be a bad move. Josh Bailey has definitely uh, I don't know if he's overperformed, but just Josh Bailey has found such a, a perfect pattern to his game the last four years for the Islanders. I think that mm-hmm. would be a mistake. I see where you're I see what you're you know, what you're getting at there. I just I, if I'm if I'm the Islanders, that's that's someone that's untouchable to me. Mm-hmm. I I look at I the I problem is like, this team right now is that if Mark Bar, if Matt Barzal isn't going, this team isn't going. Like this team lives right. and dies on the play of Matt Barzal. They they have to they they can't. Matt Barzal needs to be able to have an off game, and they need to find ways to still win games when he's not going. I think that's the one thing with this team. If I had a criticism of it, that would be the big one. This team lives and dies with, with Matt Barzal. Well, and I think too, I think I, I honestly think Matt Barzell could be a 100 point player mm-hmm. and he's, he's not done that. Obviously not he's that been a bit, right. Well, and that's the thing he's been, you know, despite that very defensive minded sandpaper kind of system, He's been able to get offense, but I, I almost I kind of think, you know, circling back to my point um, before, like I almost wonder if you know if you were able to pair Barzell, <laughs> if you were able to pair Barzell with like an elite winger, you know, I wonder if they would just if they would just like tear things up together, you know. Yeah, and Ricky in the chat saying because Andrews Lee was hurt, and that's fair. That is fair, right? And Anders Lee is, you know, he's he's their he's their teddy bear, you know. So, yeah. 
for, former San Jose Shark Frederick Clayson listening to Stanley Cup right now. <laughs> You're welcome, Tampa Bay. Yeah. I I think it's pretty incredible that Patrick Maroon's gone back to back to back. That because is amazing. I feel like I feel like when he signed with St. Louis, it was kind of like, okay, I'm back in my hometown. If we win, I'm done. If we lose, I'm done. You know. And then here he is. You know, he won a cup with the Blues, and then he's like, oh, I'll go win two more with Tampa. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like I wonder if all these cups has has kind of put the wind back in his sails. I wanted to bring this up on on the go home, the, the finale here of, of the show. But yeah, you're right. I mean, think about it, guys. Patrick Maroon was signed by the Blues. Um, there was a, a bit of fanfare, the hometown guy and all that. Uh, didn't go so well that first year. The second year, he was getting scratched. They put him on waivers, I think. I know they tried to trade him, and I, but I believe they put him on waivers. He went unclaimed. And then he ends up winning the Stanley Cup. And then goes to Tampa and wins the Stanley Cup and again wins the Stanley Cup. Like to go from near retirement, like when when he didn't get claimed from waivers, they were he, they were talking about Patrick Maroon just hanging the skates up right in that moment. Yeah, and now he's won three Stanley Cups in the, since then. So and had a goal in Game Three, I think. So, I mean, hats off to him, like. I don't know what else, you know, if he wants to keep playing, you know, then he'll keep playing. But if he, oh, now he's on the screen being interviewed by What's-His-Face, who <laughs> thankfully won't be on the broadcast anymore after tonight. Um, the only reason but, I brought him up is because they just interviewed him on Sportsnet. Oh, there you go. There yeah, you go. So, clearly a popular guy. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, it, it's awesome for him. He's like, he's a good locker room guy. He seems like he's got a good attitude. Again, if he wants to keep playing, um, he certainly has the right to do so. Um, at the same time, if he has any inkling of retiring, like he did three years ago, not a bad way to go out. Not a bad way to go out at all. Uh, okay, going to get in some rapid fire here quick. Uh, I'm going to start with the Minnesota Wild because they made a couple of trades uh, since we talked about Minnesota uh, not too long back. Um, Joel Erickson Eck, uh, eight years, 42 million, 5.25 million AAV. Uh, none of that has any signing bonuses in it, uh, which is something I've been curiously keeping an eye on with the signings um, so far to see if teams would shell out signing bonuses after all this <laughs> that happened. So I, so I like Joel Erickson Eck and I was a bit suspect of that contract. Um, you know, just because, you know, it's an eight-year deal. Um, and I, I personally didn't feel like I, I had seen a lot from him to warrant it. So I actually, one of my good friends is a Minnesota Wild fan. I uh, I pumped him for some information okay. on the Jewel Erickson X. So um, he says, great driving play offensively, great defensively. Um, he's been... Uh, he was on a 44-point pace this year while playing a shutdown role with Jordan Greenway and Nick Felino. So if you actually put him on the power play and with Kiprizov or Fiala, the offense is going to grow even more and was also very complimentary of his possession numbers in comparison to other guys like Steven Stamkos, Matt Barzell, Sasha Barkov, etc. Yeah, it seems like it's... I mean, it's a long deal, but I think, like... I feel like with the flat cap, like... 
guys aren't going to get the number that they probably think they're going to deserve, so they're going to try and make up for that in term. I can't really blame them. Well, um, and he's also, a, tw- he's also twenty. He's also 24. Right, 24. Uh, former first-round pick, 20th overall uh, by the Wild back in, what was it, uh, 15? 2015. Yeah. 15. <laughs> John Cooper on the cell phone lining up his next trade. Yeah, there you go. Um, I think with Erickson Eck with that contract, you know, I, I, I've stated on this show how I don't like uh, players getting these long, big contracts after one good season. Or in right. Erickson Eck's uh, case, probably about one and a quarter's good seasons. Um, but I, Minnesota, we've, we've talked about their lack of depth at center. He's a guy who has stepped his game up um, after Miko Koivu took a step back last year and then departed this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I I think Minnesota can afford it, even if it turns sour. He's got enough upside with his age, and you know he was a high draft pick. So I, I think it's going to work out just fine because – even if Erickson Eck doesn't end up putting up a, a whole heck of a lot more points than what he already has, he is a reliable defensive center. He'd, he'd be a, a very expensive third C at worst. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean it's 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 a long deal, but like the money's fine. Like, I, and I don't know why you would want to get out of it. Like, I just at that money. At some point, this cap is going to start moving again. Like, it's going to start right. moving in a positive direction again. It's it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Now, how long that's going to take to happen, that is anybody's guess. But I feel like before this deal's out, I, God, I hope we're seeing positive cap movement again. Because otherwise, wow. Um, <laughs> as a team with some pretty bad contracts, I, I'm, I'm a little nervous. <laughs> no, I You know what? I think it'll go up a lot sooner than people think, you know, I mean, obviously the pandemic was really big, you know, no fans was obviously awful, you know, Um, but the, you know, the, the, the people who are paid to know what they're talking about with regards to the salary cap, I mean, you know, people are still pointing to, you know, the Seattle expansion money. They're still pointing to legalized gambling. They're still, pointing to the ESPN TNT TV deal. Like I'm not saying that the cap is going to be 100 I mean, the million expansion next money year. doesn't count because it's it doesn't go to HRR, but True. the extra gates that are going to come in from Seattle being in the league, which was a big that Vegas pushed the cap up because of the gates. Right. And Seattle and should I, be no difference if we can put people in the arena and at this point I don't foresee any reason why there wouldn't be. Um right. if they can fill their arena then that's going to that's just you know that's a billion extra that's 80 extra gates or whatever 82 extra gates or yeah, 42 extra I, gates and i think and it's going to for sure you know it, it may not be a a crazy increase like we've seen in the last few years prior to the pandemic but i i think that you know the number is going to start ballooning up i think sooner than we think yeah fair enough um okay um Next thing, keeping uh, Nick Bukestad one year, 900K to stay with the Wild. I was surprised that um, 900K, like that's that's a pay cut, is it not? Yeah, he think, made. I think he signed league minimum this year, didn't he? No, uh, he was on. He was he was on the last year of a big ticket. He signed with Florida. He actually made he actually made five and a quarter million this year, this past year. Uh, 
Okay. So definitely, that's a, a pretty size. It's like what a four hundred percent pay cut. About. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, I don't. I've. I don't want to say I've liked this player. You know, he's a player that I've been. You know, generally interested in these. Seems like definitely cashed in on a couple good years in Florida that got him that big ticket. But I, I think for what he was, especially in Minnesota, you know, trying to revive his career, I think he, I think he played very well, all things considered. And I think, you know, it's a body that they have, you know, expansion purposes, obviously, but I think he was very serviceable on the fourth, fourth or third line. And, you know, for 900,000, it's hard to hate. No, I I can't hate it. I mean, I look at this and I, I look at it like this, right? We've, we've, we've talked about teams and a lot of them, don't have a lot of cap space, the ones that we've talked Like, obviously, if you're going to look to be, oh, I'd like to go to a contender now. Well, there's not a whole lot of room. So, I mean, it, you know, taking a taking a almost league minimum deal to to play, you know, another year in a, a place that obviously he likes, because I don't think you take that big of a haircut to go some, to stay somewhere you hate. Um, and then, you know, hoping that you can do something that will, you know, add an extra zero at least to that paycheck the next time you go to sign a new contract yeah i think uh Bukestad just again with the center depth they don't really have anyone they could bring up um and and six foot six centers don't grow on trees they no, are they do trees. not they are trees so um to me it's fine. Plus, um, I haven't looked into it too much, but maybe Minnesota signed Nick Bukestad for the same reason that the Sharks signed Matt Nieto. Maybe it's an expansion purpose. Yeah, no, absolutely. I don't know. That, I haven't looked that much into it. but Definitely. I mean, the Wild, I feel like the Wild are, are a team that are going to have to make some tough choices when it comes to their um, protection list. I can't wait till the protection list drops because it's going to be... It's going to be fascinating, but I feel like the Wild are a team that are going to be in trouble to possibly lose a player uh, this time around again that they probably don't want to lose. So it's probably a good idea to dangle a few extra guys out there that, you know, especially on a deal like that. And then again, you go to Seattle, you, you know, Seattle, I don't know what Seattle's plan is, but from the sounds of it, they, they sound like they're going to, they don't want to like go break the bank uh, right out of the gate. So um, you know, if you take that small deal and you go to Seattle and then be like, okay, well now I need a little bit more money. And if, if things in Seattle work out, if that's the destination, I mean, you could do far worse, right? Um, let's see here. What else we got here? We have Ryan, Nugent, or Ryan Nugent Hopkins, uh, another eight year deal, uh, $41 million, 5.125 AAV. Uh, he does have a couple, uh, $2 million signing bonus in 26, 20 or 27, 28, sorry. And they 1.25 million in, um, 29. I think I might have that wrong. I think Nuge was going to get bank on the open market. Yeah. Why? I, I, I don't know how you guys feel about the salary for him resigning with Edmonton, but I think they had, I think he is, a pivotal player, and I don't mean that just because he's center. I mean, I think he's a pivotal player uh, on that team, and they they need someone else to be able to be considered a threat behind McDavid and, and Dreisaitl. He's definitely not the, the same kind of offense player those two are, but 
you know, uh, you you can do far worse than Ryan Nugent Hopkins in behind them. And again, I I think he would have made big big money on the open market for because kind of like Eric, he would have Eck, a lot of suitors for sure. Yeah, better than Erickson Eck. I think he's got more offensive upside, and I think he's a better defensive center than Erickson Eck. So, um, yeah, I think it was important. I mean, it, it's 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 important for Edmonton, obviously, because you know they're they're getting some breathing room with their cap this year, but. McDavid at twelve and a half, dry settle at eight and a half. You're going to have to pinch pennies elsewhere, mm-hmm. and it's only you know it's a it's an eight hundred and seventy five thousand um, dollar pay cut, but that's still something. I mean that's a that's a fourth line winger that you can get signed, you know, especially in a in a in a flat cap world. And I think also too, just how versatile Ryan Nugent Hopkins is. I mean he's going to play on your power play. He'll play on your penalty kill. He can play left wing with McDavid or Drysaddle. He can he can center Drysaddle. He can center his own line. He's just he's too versatile and too important to that team to let go. And it, and it's like I always you know the thing I always say with with pending unrestricted free agents is like if you like the pay, the player and want the player, mm-hmm. pay the price. Yeah, I don't think you could have said it any better, dude. No, I mean it sums it up. I mean I'm surprised like. It's it's amazing to me because I feel like I mean again there's not a whole there's not be a whole lot of landing places for for players to go especially right now, but it's surprising to me that you'd want to spend. I mean, Edmonton at some point has to turn the corner, right? I feel like we've been saying this for a decade, but at some point Edmonton has to turn the corner, right? I mean, maybe they should have kept Pat Maroon. Jeez. Uh... I wanted to mention Pat Maroon. I know we, I keep derailing the show, bringing up Tampa Bay, but I thought it was so cool just watching him uh, celebrate with the fans and, and got a, got to lift the cup just again just a moment ago, and they put the spotlight on him and everything. So I, don't, I haven't been able to listen to commentary. I don't know if there was any purpose for that. but Maybe, maybe we called it. Who knows? I, I think it's cool that you know Tampa Bay got to win in front of their, their fans. Um because last year they won in a bubble. Yeah, they didn't get to celebrate with anyone except. Yeah, for their you know coach. what? And, th- and now you say that, I'm 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 fine with them them winning back to back because I think that's a crappy way to to win like in an empty arena up north, like nowhere yeah. near your home. I mean, I know they right. got to go home and they did their little boat parade or whatever, yeah, but all that. Um, but yeah, like I I'm I'm I am happy that they they got to do that. I don't know. I guess it's it's funny though because that's like um, I think the thing finishing on Nugent Hopkins, I guess, is right, is just yeah. that people a lot of times people like oh people don't want to play in Edmonton or people like but clearly they do because otherwise like why would you sign eight years if you didn't want to play there again right like I mean I I understand that Edmonton's better than you know it's not Winnipeg but it's not far behind it as far as crappy inclement weather to live through <laughs> um so i mean i i don't know i mean it's it, it's good for them um i want to move on to um i want to talk about the victor arvidsson trade and i kind of want to start a oh, little sure <laughs> and so i want to lead it into show to go into a second and possibly third hour okay it, it's gonna happen um i i want to I, I because i feel like you know the one thing that we 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 usually did uh when we did these summer shows before was we would always look around the division 
because I think it's as much as it's important to know stuff about your own team, and there's really no Sharks news to talk about at all this right now. So, so I would like to start a little thing called Know Your Enemy. And to start off, we're going to talk about the LA Kings because I think this trade makes the LA Kings a very interesting team this offseason. Um, so LA traded a 2020 or, um, yeah, LA traded a 2021 second and a 2022 third to Nashville for Victor Arvidsson. Um, obviously a great price for Victor Arvidsson. Nashville, uh, obviously had to make the deal because they are going to lose a player in the expansion draft. And even after trading Victor Arvidsson, they're probably still going to have to make a deal with Seattle to make sure that they take the player that they want to lose um, at this point. And it'll be interesting to see if Seattle plays ball with them. Um, Kevin, you're, you're the, you're the Victor Arvidsson guy. Um, what does Victor Arvidsson bring to the LA Kings? Speed, offense, penalty killing, uh, grit, intensity, heart. I mean, why wouldn't you want to spend a, a third round pick in any of three different years, Sharks, on a guy like that? Um, I, I, the only thing with Victor Arvidsson the last couple of years has been his injury history. Um, but I felt like in the times where it, much has been said about the Predators lack of offensive ability, despite having offensive minded players, they have not been able to gel together and create offense. Does that sound familiar? Sharks fans, um, Victor Arvidsson has been like the one guy who's been the constant to be able to just energize the team and, and, and score at will score power play goals, penalty, shorthanded goals, um, playoff overtime goals. Like this guy, there's a, there's a lot of reasons in, in my opinion, I hope I'm selling him here, but uh, to, I don't know why I want to sell him to Kings fans, but just to those of you out there, um, why I love this player so much and why I own his jersey. Um, Victor Arvidsson is going to do a lot of things uh, uh, with L.A. I said last show that I think he, or no, it wasn't on the show. It was somewhere else on Twitter or something. But I said, I believe he will score eight goals against the Sharks this next season. So mark that mm. as long as he doesn't get hurt again. Um, but yeah, I, I think that he's everything LA needs because LA's got the prospects. LA, you know, Ian has spoken about how they have a wealth of riches, oh, yeah. um, coming, coming up here through their system. But what they do need, especially after like losing a guy like Jeff Carter, they lost Tyler Toffoli a couple of years ago. Like they need to start building around these these youngsters with good veteran leaders good players um because you can't just have all young kids otherwise you're the edmonton oilers uh getting first round pick after first round pick after first round pick like you have to uh complement the young young players with good uh good talent whether it's offensive defensive or whatever i think arvidson brings it all so i think it's a great play Probably would have gone for a first-round pick. maybe Not a high first-round pick, but probably would have gone for a first-round pick if he didn't have the injury history and the ca the uh, expansion consideration as well. Um, but I think a second and a third is a, is a decent haul for him. But I think the Predators are going to miss miss him quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, I I would, give, I, okay, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say real quick. So I, I think, to Kevin's point, I think the price, it's it's a worthy price to pay for the reasons you mentioned, but also 
like in 2021, LA had two seconds, and in 2022, they have two thirds. So nice. they essentially gave up a duplicate of a pick they already had. So they're mm-hmm. not really, you know, they're they're um, you know, trading with house money, so to speak. Yeah. And you know, from Nashville's perspective as well, you know, Kevin, you kind of alluded to the fact that even when you know everybody on Nashville was struggling to generate offense, Victor Arvidsson found a way to generate offense. Yeah, and. I think the just the the knack for goal scoring he has, as you mentioned, the speed, um, you know, the special teams, both end of special teams. I think, you know, I think he's going to be a really good player. And I think also from an LA Kings perspective, we we're talking about knowing your enemy. So you have, you know, Dustin Brown, Anze Kopitar, Alex I followed. That line's kind of been locked together for a couple of years now. Yep. But now, you know, for LA, they it, it they're building that secondary, um, that secondary scoring or that second line scoring. Where now, you know, you'll have Victor Arvidsson, and you can put him with an Adrian Kempe on that other wing, and then maybe you have Gabe Velarde in the middle, or you know, you try one of their other centers there, Akil Thomas, Alex Turcotte. Not saying these guys are NHL ready, but you have the luxury of trying guys there, and you know, they've also said they want another top six forward. Well, maybe that top six forward plays center. And maybe mm-hmm. their name is Jack Eichel, or maybe their name is Evgeny Kuznetsov. But I think the big thing is, you know, that top line I mentioned, they've relied on it heavily. And now, you know, they got good minutes from Kempe this year, good minutes from Trevor Moore. Now they've got somebody, Victor Arvidsson, to come in and be like that second line where it's like, okay, if our if our top line's not getting it done, we still got Arvidsson who's ready to go. Yeah. Okay, so here's here. Let's. Uh, I'm going to go through um, just the LA Kings situation, much like I did the previous teams when we were talking about what's next for, um, like the the other teams. I'm going to have a similar rundown here. So the Los Angeles Kings. This is a team with about 14.4 million dollars in cap space. Um, they do have some dead cap though. Uh, they've got about three million dollars in dead cap. Actually, maybe even closer to four. Uh, they got 2.6. With Jeff Carter, uh, one point, uh, and that's till for twenty one, twenty two. That's next year. Um, they are they have uh, Dion Phaneuf money still, uh, just over one million until twenty two, twenty three, um, and they have Mike Richards nine hundred k count against their cap till the end of time. Basically, um, <laughs> it, it feels like it's till the end of time. Um, obviously, they have some big contracts on the book still that probably. Um, that are I don't want to say problematic. I mean, I, I think Jonathan Quick at thirty-five years old, um, at five point eight million, probably a little bit problematic. But considering what he did for that team, you probably don't mind that as much. Uh, he is signed until twenty-two, twenty-three. Uh, Drew Doughty, obviously thirty-one years old, he's gonna be on that eleven million dollar contract uh, until twenty-six, twenty-seven. I think, you know, Doughty, I, I still think Doughty has some left in the tank. I don't think he's as good as people think he is, but he's still got stuff left in the tank, and he obviously wants this team to get better sooner than later. And then Anze Kopitar is 33, and he is also making $10 million until 2023-24, uh, um, which for Anze Kopitar, I mean, is $10 million a lot? Probably. But again, like, I think with what he's given that team, do you hate that contract i mean i hate that contract because i feel like it's probably a little prohibitive but i mean anze kopitar is really really good still too like i don't think his game has slipped all that much is it 10 million dollars good i don't know i guess you know that's i'd I'd like to ask i'd like to i wonder what a king's fan would say because to me it seems like a lot for anze kopitar but is it 
I don't know, maybe not. Um, they're, they have a couple of free agents they need to do. They're all arbitration eligible, restricted free agents. Uh, Andreas Athanasiu, Trevor Moore, and Matt Luff. Um, so my question is this. With all that being laid on the table, is is LA just kind of taking advantage of Nashville's situation? Or do you think this is them saying, I look at the Pacific Division and I see Vegas, I see Edmonton, I see the wild card that is Seattle, and I say, why not me? Why can't I be in one of those top spots? Is that what's going on here? Or is this just them taking advantage of a obviously expansion draft situation in Nashville and maybe the tide needs to be bided a little bit more. What do you guys think? Why not? Uh, why not a little bit of both? Why not uh, take advantage of other teams? Um, I mean, that's kind of the, the underside of the expansion scenario is, is some teams will have room to take players uh, at uh, discounted prices that they wouldn't normally be able to do and help propel them into a better situation. And I think that I love your point about it. this is uh, could this moves like this potentially put L.A. in a playoff spot in the weak Pacific division. And I think there's a lot of stock in that, Ian. So um, but Nevertheless, I mean, they, they, they needed to take advantage of, of it anyway. I think they're still even, okay, they got Victor Arvidsson. They will likely acquire one more forward. I know they have said they plan to acquire um, two goal, what they say, two top six goal scorers, and I'd say they got one. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know if that's still enough to get them in the playoffs, but it, or at least as a legitimate playoff team, but it gets them in the ballpark at least. Um, so nice. I, I, I like your thoughts on that. I I think for LA specifically, I mean, they're, I like the direction they've gone with their forwards. You know what I mean? Like I, like I said, for bringing in Victor Arvidsson, obviously that top line is very good. You know, I think um, Adrian Kempe and Trevor Moore, I think these guys both had, good i don't want to say breakout years but years where they kind of exceeded their previous um their previous ceiling and so i think those are guys that maybe you want to hold on to and kind of build around as your maybe your middle six scoring and you know so i think that's fine but the things that stand out to me you mentioned jonathan quick ian and how he's making a lot of money for you know a largely reduced role i think yeah, I, I still think at this point you need to go with Cal Peterson. I know he's mm-hmm. kind of been the de facto starter there, but I think you need to give him more starts. Just, you know, he's he's a, you know, I, I, I always think of him as like, oh, he's this young goalie that's really well. I mean, he's 26 and he's about to be a UFA um, after this coming season. So you kind of need to figure out if he can hang in there for 60 games a year. And, I mean, aside from Dowdy, Dowdy obviously had a good year. Uh, a resurgent year this past year. Um, Matt Roy, I think, is a decent player. Same with Sean Walker. But aside from those three, that blue line to me, it's it's not exactly exciting, you know. And there's there's obviously, you know, there's some there's some words out there that maybe Ole Matta is a buyout candidate, and maybe he is, maybe he isn't. Um, I think the defense. I think that defense needs work. Um, I don't know 
how believable this is, but you know, maybe LA gives Alec Martinez a call and says, Hey, do you want to come That's back? What I was going to say, I is like, is, is, are they a team that are going to circle back to a guy like Alec Martinez and be like, Hey, uh, you know, maybe we're going to do something here. Do you want to come and be, come and be a part of that? Cause I think like the, the pipeline in LA is obscene. Mm-hmm. It's obscenely good. I don't know what it looks like in goal and goal is probably the one place where I do have question marks in LA. I don't know what they have in the pipeline as far as goaltending goes. Um, but there's going to be a lot of really decent goalies that are going to be up for grabs this year and again like they have cast base so I, I guess my next question would be if you're rob blake and let's just for hypothetically speaking we're, we're kicking this this rebuild into high gear we're, we're 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 gonna try and make a big move in the pacific or just maybe a big move now to to set up for as these guys come up because i still think like you know regardless of what la does this summer they're they're not like let's not pretend this is going to be a stanley cup juggernaut contender they're they're going to be. I think they they can do things to get well on their way to, to to regaining that form, but that's still a couple of years out, where they're going to be a serious contender where people are going to be like, oh oh sh-, you know oh shit, LA is coming to town. Like, um, I I think the obvious one obviously is Jack Eichel, but they continuously say that they are not in on Jack Eichel, which I I don't know why they wouldn't <laughs> be. Like it doesn't make sense to me, but so. Jack Eichel aside, what is the move that you would make this summer to kick this thing into gear? I, if I'm them, I don't know. I, not in terms of like what to give up or anything, but just like the, a target. Sam Reinhart would be a, yeah. a, a good. I like that. I like that a lot. Jerk, yeah, what would you I, do? Yeah, I I mean that's that that certainly would be very nice for them. I mean, it's not a big secret how much we all like Sam Reinhardt, but I still I still think their priority needs to be a number two center to be behind Andre Kopitar. Maybe you move Sam Reinhardt back to center, but I've always felt they, he's they been do better have at a one Quinton Byfield that might be there sooner than later. That's true. I mean, it, it, and it's kind of it's your LA is kind of in a weird place right now because they've got you know Quinton Byfield, Alex Turcott, Akil yeah. Thomas, Gabe Velarde. I mean, these are all guys who could theoretically project out to be at the you know a middle six center. So it's like, okay, do you just kind of hang in there and wait wait to see what you have with these guys? Do you accelerate the timeline and say, hey Buffalo, what do you think about this Alex Turcott plus for Jack Eichel? Maybe that's a play as well, but. I still think a second center is kind of their their big need. You know, it was it was really a black hole with Jeff Carter there, and then he goes to Pittsburgh and thrived. So mm-hmm. I don't really know what happened there. But I think a second center is important. Like I said before, I think, I mean, I, I, I love a good reunion story as much as the next guy. I say bring back Alec Martinez. I mean, you know, the the two picks that L.A. got for Alec Martinez were – turned around and thrown to Nashville for Victor Arvidsson. So it mm-hmm. would almost be full circle in a weird way. Um, but I think the blue line is the biggest concern. And I think you need to see if Cal Peterson can be a 60 start goalie. Yeah. And, and with the, the defense, they have some defensemen. I don't know if they have anybody who's like truly a standout defenseman uh, who's young, but 
Um, they've got a couple guys. Kill Clegg, who is someone mm-hmm. I expect them to protect in the expansion draft because somehow, even at his ridiculously young age, he is not exempt. Um, Jordan <laughs> Spence is a, a, another player, but I don't think he's... I think he's at least a year out from being considered a, an NHL defenseman. But, like, they definitely have room to build up that that blue line because Joachim Ryan for a good stretch of not this past season but the year before that Joachim Ryan what I think played like 30 something games as the top pair defenseman for the gig. so what do you in 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 keeping that theme with their defense do you have because you obviously mentioned Kale Clegg do you have thoughts about Sean Dursey at all no no I do not Okay. That's not, I think Sean Dursey has bust written all over him. Okay. Because I've really liked his offense, but, you know, the, I don't know, it's just, it's not seemed to work out, I guess, the way everybody was sort of predicting it would when they acquired him. Right. And, and in kind of the same vein, Marcus Phillips, who was a defenseman who I really liked, I think he's got bust written all over him as well. Um, so they, the Kings have had a, a couple of unfortunate circumstances with the, with that. But I think overall, they still have some, uh, some young kids that, that project to be NHLers. Um, if they want to fast track that with, uh, to what Ian was saying about, uh, bringing in Arvidsson, bringing in another uh, legitimate forward. Um, they're going to need to bring in another legitimate defenseman or two. Um, I, Martinez, familiarity. Um, the, and, and the Kings, if I recall, did not want to get rid of Alec Martinez. They only traded him because it was, was their mm-hmm. their most logical play. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I could definitely see, see them uh, at least making an offer. So here's my here's my here's my things. Here. I, I'm doing two things if I'm Rob Blake this off season, um, and keeping in mind we have cap coming off the thing. So the first thing I'm going to do is I'm calling Columbus. Okay. Ooh. Because I want to know if I can get Seth Jones. Why not? That's what I would. That's my first move. And then my second call is I'm waiting for free agency, and I am calling Brendan Sod, and I am asking how much money will it take to bring Brendan Saad to LA because I feel like at center, they're going to be fine. They just need to be patient, Mm -hmm. but you need someone to give those centermen the puck to that can put it in the net. And if you're looking at free agents this summer, and if you're looking at, if you're trying to sell a team on the rise, which I think LA has the right to do, I think that's the first thing you do. The first thing you do is you're gonna call, is you're gonna see if you can pry Seth Jones out of Columbus, because that solves your blue line problem. So. Don't you think it would cost them Byfield? It might, but maybe I don't know. I mean, Columbus kind of Columbus can Columbus is in a, in a rough spot because what are you gonna do? Right, like I, you're, you're, you have to do something with them. Like, is like what? I feel like Seth Jones is. He's is he is is he is he an RFA? He's a UFA. This UFA. Yeah. So I mean, you're gonna if you don't trade him, you're gonna lose him for nothing. So right. you do have that leverage. And also, to the fact that he's come out and said, "I'm not re-signing here," like 
the choice is lose him for nothing or lose him for less than he's worth. I mean, those are your two choices if you're Columbus. Yeah, and I think Rob Blake can absolutely exploit that situation. And then you look at that blue line that you add Seth Jones to that blue line. That's that's a. I mean, is is it you know is it a super scary blue line? No, but it's significantly better with that injection than than it was when you started. Absolutely. The hot ticket is uh, pile a bunch of great defensemen together. So Seth Jones and Drew Doughty together makes sense. And yeah. I, I like I like your inclusion of of Brandon Sauter. I mean, I'm I'm a big fan of Brandon Sod. Like he legitimately may be one of my favorite non shark players. I love Brandon Sod, and he's he's one of those guys. To your point, Ian, where he's a winger, yes, but he in spite of being a winger, he's more inclined to go get the puck and give it to somebody else, you know, and, and yeah, he can rip the puck and he'll score goals, big goals for you when it matters most, but he, he has the speed and he's just, he can go get the puck for these young centers, you know, whoever it is, Byfield, Turcotte, Mm -hmm. Thomas, Velarde, like he can go get the puck just using his speed and using his strength. And, you know, I, that's not something that crossed my mind, but then you, you said it and I was, it, it sort of like, you know, the hamster started spinning on the wheel again because it's, you know, it's a really good idea, I think, for what they need. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what they do. I mean, now that the now that the cup has been awarded, I think, you know, what do we have to look forward to now? I think because I think we have a few things to look forward to. One, I think we're going to see some deals ahead of the expansion draft, which is what a week away, two weeks away, a week away. Uh, they're the lists are a week away, right? They have to. Teams have to drop their protected list, I believe, on the 17th. The the 19th, I think, is when they're due, and I believe the expansion draft is the 21st. Yeah, so, I mean, it'll be interesting to see. Like, obviously, this is something we're definitely going to circle back to um, as the summer progresses and as we get closer to the... um, closer to the uh closer to the season you know we're we're going to run down through everyone else in the pacific and i'm sure la we're going to circle back but i just thought it was an interesting with the move and you know la was a team because i know it's a team that we keep saying it's going to be scary but not yet but they could do some things that could definitely speed up that track so i don't know i mean going forward that's the big thing now. Obviously, for from the Sharks' perspective, Sharks got to sign another forward so that they can have someone else to expose that meets the requirements. Because right now they don't met, they don't meet the requirements. Um, the The buyout window does open in what two days? Jerk. So actually, um, I, I looked it up, and I don't know if it's because of the shortened off season, but. Normally it's forty eight hours after mm-hmm. the cup is awarded. This year, this time it's it's twenty four hours. So, um, you know, if you're in the Eastern time zone, um, midnight on Friday. There you go. So, um, I think something that we were talking about before we came on air. Obviously, if Martin Jones doesn't get bought out right away, don't panic because the buyout window doesn't close until after the expansion draft. So obviously the Sharks aren't going to buy out Martin Jones tomorrow and then be like, who are we going to expose? We have to expose a goalie that meets the requirements. Um, so I feel like Martin Jones isn't going to get protected. And then after he doesn't get taken by Seattle, because Seattle 
have smart people, at least they appear to have smart people running that team, um, <laughs> then they'll buy out Martin Jones. So don't panic if uh, if they don't go. Um, getting a question in the chat here, and I don't want to go too, uh, too, too long, but um, uh, Mark, Ray, Ricky asking about... Um, if if do the sharks go after a goalie like anti Ranta? I don't think Ranta would be on the radar. Ranta is too injury prone, and I feel like they're 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 gonna go with it's gonna be Kozenash and starter, and I don't feel like they're gonna put themselves in a situation where it's gonna be Kozenash and Melnichuk because Ranta is injured. Don't think he can, I'm offended. You don't think Melnichuk can ha- hack it right oh, now? Man. <laughs> I've got a name for you guys. Okay. And I think it would have to work out by trade. But okay. I was thinking Seattle drafts your you spot on you spot on with the team talking about Auntie Ranta. Uh Seattle drafts Aiden Hill and trades him to the Sharks. Ooh. Aiden Hill is so good at playing against the Sharks. I'd be curious to know what he's like playing with the Sharks. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't super excite solution. me. What's up? I said it doesn't. It doesn't super excite me. But it, no, no, no. And nor should it. But I don't see the Sharks making any big plays to try. I don't see the Sharks buying out Martin Jones, to be quite honest. But but if they do go that route, um, they're going to need someone with Kojanash. And it, mm-hmm. uh, I think it's either Dubnik comes back for, through free agency for a year. Yeah. Or you get uh, like a, a low risk, medium reward goalie like Aiden Hill. Yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah. torn. I mean, in the chat, they're saying like in the chat, AJ and then Marty was kind of agreeing with like it's you only have like Martin Jones only has a couple of years left on his deal, and the Sharks aren't going to be good next year. But I can't tell. I don't. I don't know how you can t- you can sell like this big talk, like all this talk about you know, oh well, we can't sell anyone on a rebuild. But how do you? How do you sell season ticket holders on another season of Martin Jones? I'm I'm sorry, but to me, that's 100% marketing. And the Sharks and Barracuda marketing over the last many years has been not good. See, you say it's hard to sell tickets with with another year of Martin Jones. All you got to do is your commercials and your, your graphics and your banners around the tank. Just get a teal banner with 2016 on the front of it and that's it that's all you gotta do oh it's true (laughs) you know know, eric fair left uh left uh switzerland although i believe he has retired but if he hasn't retired bring back eric fair and it's party like 2016 all over there you go and you know what and if it's and you can't party like 2016 just get a bunch of monitors and have it show game seven vegas on loop <laughs> yes, our the the last uh, the last positive moment as a franchise was almost uh, was almost three years ago. What is that? <laughs> it's terrible. Here, here you, you sell it on. See the future. Two time Stanley Cup winners for other teams. Who uh, <laughs> sharks this year? Barkley Goodrow returns to the tank with someone else. <laughs> yeah, you know. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I mean, to, for me, Martin Jones has to go. You have to buy him out. You can't. I. You, you. We've seen this too many times. Like, I just. I mean, I will watch because I'm a fucking idiot. But, like, 
I just I don't understand how you can come back with Martin Jones, even if I don't think they're going to be good next year. And I think that they, there's a lot of double talk in, in, in from the front office, especially especially like ultimately at the end of the day for me, the, the, the answer is this when it comes to the topic of, you know, how do you get fans to come back to the seats? You take care of the hockey side first, because if the hockey side is good, the business side will follow. If you make business decisions ahead of if you make too many decisions based on business over the hockey then you're just setting yourself up for endless suffering take care of the hockey side the business side will follow i don't know like yep. to me it's that simple and, and i think that's been a problem just organizationally is the sharks are worried about too many of the outside things and just not enough on the on ice performance there. Right. Like, like it's like, we can't rebuild because fans won't come. With... Well, fans won't come if the team's bad regardless. So maybe don't make stupid hockey decisions based on business. Bingo. Bingo. Exactly. No, I'm with you on that. All right, um, guys. Just... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to, I was, I was going to uh, try and wrap this, this puppy up. So if yeah, you have anything to say, go ahead. Wanna out there to to everyone um because our, our we've actually gained viewers since the uh end of the stanley cup broadcast on nbcsn um so thanks for all watching um and thank you for watching if you're watching during uh the game and just listening to us kind of refer back and forth to it um that's awesome if you are joining us late of course we encourage you to go back and watch the show from earlier when when you weren't watching but um also uh, i expect that we'll get a fair amount of viewers who were watching the game who will catch this entire podcast uh on tape delay and i just want to say thank you all for um being a part of this tonight i know we did not intend on going head to head with uh, the Stanley Cup winning game that it was, but this was the only date this entire week that we could all get that together. That worked, yeah. Um, that's why we scheduled it this way. But it was pretty cool to be able to to discuss live uh, the Lightning winning the Stanley Cup. And uh, we have 20 likes, you know, uh, out there. Um, so thank you all for your continued support. And uh, so I just wanted to uh, give a shout out to everyone in the chat and everyone watching and listening on our on your favorite podcaster absolutely uh jerk any final thoughts oh man uh another year another year in the books um the covid season two covid seasons has made for a lot of interesting stats um it's weird it's weird to think about um tampa bay has now won two stanley cups in less than 12 months if you want to think about it that way so thought that was interesting victor hedman obviously with has now scored a goal in every month on the calendar which is interesting (laughs) um you know hockey is weird and the pandemic made it weirder um did it ever (laughs) this is the this is one of my favorite parts of the season uh is getting into entry draft free agency and with the expansion draft this year i mean there's going to be so much so much to talk about so much to react to also so much like hypothetical stuff to sort of kick around and you know i kind of think 
I, I like, you know, the idea of, you know, a know your enemy and maybe starting, okay, here's where they're at. Where do we think they should go from here? I think that mm-hmm. would be really fun. Um, as for a final thought, maybe this is a hot take. Maybe I'm a genius. Uh, it's up for you to decide. 2022 is going to be the Tampa Bay three-peat. Oof. Well, Can you argue against that? I can't. I mean, I can, but I, I don't know. I mean, I this playoff has been weird. Everything I've, I've said has basically gone the opposite way. Um, like, I've never had a playoff year. It's been a long time since this, I've had a playoff year just make me feel so hockey dumb as this year's playoffs. Um, <laughs> just... Just wild stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, look, uh, coming up on Teal Town USA, um, I just want to get this out here quick. Um, obviously, um, that week where all the stuff happens, then there's there's going to be a lot going on uh, on this channel. It's going to be us. It's going to be everyone. I, I think it's going to be a pretty hectic week of all hands on deck. So look forward to a lot of content for the expansion draft for the draft for you know all of that fun stuff um i i can't imagine there's going to be probably plenty of plenty of content that week and then it'll probably eke off again uh towards free agency and obviously we're going to do this all summer um right up until the season starts and then once the season starts bucknologists will start again and then we'll have after darks and everything else so um i hope you know, you know i know some people in the chat are being like they were they were like what what's going on here? This is Teal Town. Why are we talking about LA? This is what we do. We like to talk about everything. And 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 to be completely fair, the Sharks haven't done anything. Like there's just there's really nothing Sharks to talk about. I mean, I could, you know, I could have ranted about Martin Jones for for old time's sake. But but at that point, you know, am I any better than than you know saying, hey, buy your season tickets. Just remember that cool game seven in Vegas, like. Do you, do you, I don't do you want to talk up. You want to talk about interdivisional trades that are happening, or do you want to talk about which sponsorship's going to be on the helmet next year? Like, yeah, yeah. Like, you know what? I mean, this show obviously, like, this show has always historically been a more NHL focused show. Trust me, if there's shark stuff, we'll talk about it. And like I said, there's plenty of sharks specific stuff that is going to be coming up, and we are going to talk. Uh, about a whole lot of it as well as get you ready for the season with what's going on around the rest of the league um, especially in the pacific division probably more specific division focused than anything else but if something else cool happens you know we're going to talk about it Um, other than that again i just want to thank everybody for being here for for watching along like kevin said watching along with us while the game was going or if you're catching this on your favorite podcast catcher thank you for you taking the time to listen to this as well um other than that i don't really have much to say congratulations to the tampa bay lightning your 2021 stanley cup champions um and uh next year you know i think i saw the sharks odds were like plus 1800 so you're telling me there's a chance i guess i don't know but other than that guys uh really appreciate you guys being here look forward to doing this all summer and i hope you guys come along for the ride and uh that is it for us thank you and have a good night take it out ian okay so uh this was the final broadcast on nbc sports network i have a little tiny bit of soda left in my uh in my glass from nbc sports so sayonara to nbc sports all right it's over
Good night, everybody. <laughs> and with that, we say thank God NBC Sports is gone. <laughs> All right. Good night. Yeah. Until uh, yeah. Until people realize 